We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. And welcome back to yet another episode of a pack a day podcast wherever you may be and however you may be listening Thank you so much for making us part of your day My name is Nick Schmitz and I will be your host today and uh, the gang is all back together after a month of draft coverage Myself Maggie Jacob all back doing the podcast together once again uh, great draft uh, month coverage that we had here at Packaday Podcast, some of our most listened to episodes uh, since we've been doing this, and that's all thanks to you, the listener. Thank you for joining us uh, through all the craziness. I'm sure some of those numbers went up because you realized about two weeks in that you didn't have to listen to my voice every week. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and I'm sure Maggie, Jacob, you can both attest it was it was a much month needed away from me. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's not true. Uh, I've missed doing the show with you guys. I did last week with Owen, and I was like, you know, I finished it up, and I was like, you know, this is actually – I am i don't do the draft stuff as much because I don't know nearly as much as Maggie, Jacob, all the other fine contributors here that we have at Pack-A-Day Podcast. I don't know as much about it as they do, which is why I don't necessarily insert myself as much, but I do love doing this. I'm glad to be back with both of you guys. This is so much fun, so really looking forward to continuing the Packers coverage that we're doing here, and today uh, we are going to take, and 
I find it an interesting look at a topic here for the Packers because I learned what we're going to do today is something that I learned in college while at UWGB. And I thought it was just something that my professors made me do just as like a way of making you think about stuff. And it turns out that Jacob has been doing this and applying this in his real life. Uh, And Jacob, did you do these uh, types of exercises while you were at Green Bay? Sure did. Professor Bina, Professor Clampett, Brian Carr. Uh, I'm trying to think who else taught me how to do these. I think uh, Professor Freilich from Com Law. They all taught me. We had to do one for like, it was kind of funny. It got a little repetitive in like the first weeks of some of these classes because that's what we were doing. That's what we were learning. So for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, so this is, and I'm sure it's not just exclusively used at UWGB. I had never seen it anywhere else. So, uh, but it's called a SWOT analysis. It's a strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So we're going to take a look at that. We're going to do a SWOT analysis of the 2020 Packers, uh, taking a look at many different things, but we're going to start in the S category of strengths. So looking at the strengths of this team, Coming into 2020, and, uh, you know, it's, again, a lot of this, take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because, you know, there's a lot of unknown right now. Not everybody loves Green Bay's draft class, so, you know, you might, you personally as a listener might be putting the draft class as a weakness. Others may not. That's we're not here to nitpick the draft class. Just just so you know, you're not going to get a nitpicking of the draft class. But Jacob, as someone that's done a SWOT analysis, why don't you get us started here with the S in strengths? What are you looking at as a strength of this 2020 team for the Green Bay Packers? Uh, there are a few. I mean, they have a couple obvious strengths that come off the page. But the first, actually, I think is maybe a little surprising, but it also makes a lot of sense to me is the quarterback room, and not just because they have Aaron Rodgers. And obviously, anytime you have somebody like Aaron Rodgers on your team, that's going to be one of the strengths of your team. However, now, one of the benefits that I certainly hope wasn't part of the selection process in terms of Jordan Love, but one of the maybe unintended uh, benefits of selecting Jordan Love is that now the Packers have a high-level, high-potential backup quarterback. So instead of when Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, hoping for the best with somebody like Deshaun Kaiser or Brett Hundley or didn't have to see Tim Boyle play last year, but I imagine that wouldn't have gone well. Joe Callahan, Scott Tolzien, the, the ghost of Matt Flynn. I mean, there's some real names going through there. And now you're looking at Jordan Love, for this draft class was, in terms of physical tools and talent, perhaps the most talented prospect in this year's draft class. Now, I personally wasn't that high on him, but a lot of other people were. And clearly Matt LaFleur was, and clearly Brian Gutekunst is. They traded up to get him. So that tells you what they think about him. But I think starting there, I could tell you this. Assuming a normal camp in preseason, preseason's actually going to be fun because they have the heir to the throne playing throughout most of the preseason and somebody that would be potential for playing time, knock on wood, if Aaron Rodgers were to miss some time. So I think they're in a really good position in terms of their quarterback room to where, I mean, do they want Jordan Love to start games in 2020? No, you have Aaron Rodgers. That's who you're hoping is your starter, but you're not holding your breath saying, okay, how many games is Aaron going to miss? Six. Okay. Pencil us in for probably five or six losses. Uh, Jordan Love can probably play well enough with the defense and the running game, which I'm sure Maggie will talk about because I saw her tweet about it today. But to get this team 
uh, to where they can maybe go three and three, four and two, or, you know, if something breaks the right way in a couple games, you know, maybe Jordan Love can get them to a winning record with some of the team around him too. But I really do. I think that's a, that's a strength of the team is that they have these two guys playing quarterback uh, potentially in 2020. Well, and Maggie, so are you going to jump on the the run game here for your strength, one of your strengths? Yeah, and I have to go on record and say I didn't know what a SWOT analysis was, so I was really confused when we started talking about topics earlier in the week. Um, But yeah, I would say a strength of this team is definitely the running game. You know, we all saw the kind of season that Aaron Jones had, franchise record 23 total touchdowns had some opportunities in the passing game. I love Jamal Williams as a pass catching back. He only had one touchdown, you know, in the run game in 2019 and five receiving touchdowns. AJ Dillon as a power back brings an entirely new dynamic to this offense that has not existed. I know, you know, traditionally the last couple seasons, Packers fans had the one, two punch that they dubbed lightning and thunder of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. But AJ Dillon has 50 pounds on Jamal Williams. You know, like that's a that's a different kind of thunder. Maybe not fully 50, but there's there's quite a discrepancy there um, regarding his size. And then you have Tyler Urban, who is kind of your gadget, quick jet sweep kind of player. So you know whether or not Tyler Urban is a roster lock, I think at this point he's probably the surest bet as a return man, unless, you know, maybe like an undrafted rookie wide receiver really latches onto the roster and snags that spot. But between those four running backs going into this season, they just give Matt LaFleur so many opportunities, you know, whether he has two backs in his formation, you know, if he uses AJ Dillon as a fullback in some sets, AJ Dillon out wide is a pass catching back or Aaron Jones is a pass catching back. They all kind of have the ability to mesh into something really I think that we haven't seen yet. It'll give an entirely new wrinkle to the second year of Matt LaFleur's offense. Well, it's, it's, it'll be certainly um, with Jacob's strength. You're hoping that uh, it really doesn't come to fruition. Anything that he just said, not because we want Jacob to be wrong, but in this case, we want (laughs) Jacob to be wrong because uh, if Jacob's right, that means something within the Packers roster is wrong. Mm -hmm. And uh, Maggie, you know, I, I, I will say I, it's one thing that before Aaron Jones, it really never felt like they had a, I know there's Eddie Lacy, but I've always liked the Amon Green. Uh, I I loved, um, oh, uh, who, who's the, Ryan Grant, not the wide receiver that is no longer <laughs> with the team, but the running back. I love having a good run game, and it feels like it's something that has been kind of missing, and now it's kind of back in Green Bay. I like that. I'm going to say one strength that I think, uh, Green Bay really has that I really like going into the 2020 season, and it's not you know it, it doesn't sound that big, but when you I, when I look around at the league from last year, and I know it's something we've talked about, the kicking game and Mason Crosby and how reliable he was in 2019, and if he can be like even just 90 percent of what he was, that's still better than most of the league. Kicking in the league last year was. I don't know about I don't know about you guys. I thought it was surprisingly bad for most teams. And Did Annie ask you to say that? No, 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 no. This is not. This is <laughs> nothing to do you. with Annie. Yeah. No, it really. No, it, well, I again, Jacob. You and I had similar feelings after that Lions game that did not go well two, three years ago, and. I mean, he's really redeemed himself, and it's something that the league, the league as a whole, has seemed to 
be struggling with this last year. Special teams, you know, I mean, I, I, I hate to do this, but, I, you know, Adam Venateri was kind of a big deal for a New England Patriots team. You don't have to like the team, but, I mean, the reality is a good kicker can mean the difference between winning and losing really big games. Uh, so right. I would, you know, kicking right now with the way it looks in the league, I'd put really big strength in the special teams category for for at least place kickers. So, um, well, Maggie, let's move to the other side here, weaknesses. And, you know, one of the most glaring issues from Green Bay last year was their ability to stop the run. I mean, what was that, like 168 yards before contact that they gave up against the 49ers in the NFC Championship. Obviously, that's not the only weakness. And I would also argue, too, that when you are a 13-3 and team, you certainly have more strengths than weaknesses, but this clearly, from what we saw, is not a perfect perfect Packers team. Uh, so coming into 2020, what is something that you're kind of concerned about as a weakness? Yeah, I mean, I think that certainly is a question mark. I think I was more surprised by the Packers not taking a defensive lineman in the draft than I was at them not taking a wide receiver, um, just because uh, Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur had talked about the way or I guess the length of time that it takes wide receivers to get acclimated to the Green Bay offense. You know, unless you're taking a guy at 30 or 62, you're not necessarily thinking they'll make an immediate impact at wide receiver in their first season. Um, But I think, you know, some of these plug-and-play linemen really could have alleviated some of that pressure from Kenny Clark and your edge rushers. Um, So I think that's, of course, a weakness just because they haven't done anything necessarily glaring to address that. You know, they're clearly expecting a big jump from guys like Montrevious Adams. And I know he was the talk of camp last season, Mike Patton. Everybody was giving him praise for his work ethic. Um, Kingsley Kiki, they're expecting to make a second-year jump, but none of that has necessarily come to fruition yet. So we are really gambling here at this point to see if that run defense looks any different because as far as the pieces they've brought in, it's been a couple undrafted guys, third round, fifth round, um, you know, free agents that were former seventh round picks. Um, They haven't done a ton to really bolster that room, even signing defensive linemen like Snacks, Harrison, you know, some of those more obvious moves that a lot of Packers fans were clamoring for. None of that has happened yet. And again, our perceived needs look a lot different. Like then the team may have these perceived, uh, you know, weaknesses, whether they plan on using guys like Zadarius and Rashawn, to kind of help in that middle of the line, whether they're expecting their inside linebackers to make a difference here going into 2020. But I I did write down the run defense as my biggest uh, glaring weakness. And then I'm also really curious, Jacob might touch on this as well. Just right tackle to me kind of remains a semi question mark. Um, I'm not sure if Rick Wagner is the guy. And I think the amount of competition in the O-line room with 17 bodies would kind of indicate that they're not entirely satisfied with that line, even though it looked pretty cohesive in 2019. So those are my big two. All right. And Jacob, uh, your weakness is looking at this 2020s Packers team from what we know right now. Yeah. Maggie touched on it a little bit there with the, the right tackle position specifically after going to a pro bowl, all pro caliber kind of player that is Brian Balaga from Iowa. And now to go with Ricky Wagner, I, I mean, maybe he was a nice player once upon a time. I, just I don't personally see it I'm not sold uh, that's not to say he won't prove me wrong he certainly could uh, but if and as of right now if Wagner were to get hurt I I mean 
kind of shudder to think as to what they would do at the right tackle position. I know Lane Taylor's still on the roster, so it would probably be at least make the most sense to plug Taylor into right guard, assuming Billy Turner's the starter there and kick Turner out to right tackle. Uh, John Runyon played tackle for a few years, but as Owen Reese would attest, he's probably better suited to play guard. They didn't really draft a, an offensive tackle of the future, which really Maggie mentioned not picking a defensive lineman. I was just as surprised that they didn't pick in a primary offensive tackle. Now at some of the spots they were in while well, they passed on Josh Jones a couple times, that was, that was the big one that I thought that for sure they would have liked and they didn't, uh, and they didn't take him in the first round, obviously, cause they took Jordan love and they had a chance to take him when they took AJ Dillon and they took AJ Dillon. So that was surprising. I will be, that'll be something I think that you need to watch. Cause I mean, the Packers were really fortunate knock on wood last year with the health of their offensive line. And that's something that usually doesn't repeat itself in back to back years. And right now I, no team in the NFL really has tackle depth, so it's kind of one of those things that we complain about every year, but then you look around the league and it really doesn't exist. If a team's left tackle misses time or if a team's starting tackle on either side misses time, it's pretty rare that you get an eagle situation where the guy that signed in Detroit, Vitae, steps in and plays at a high level uh, to replace Jason Peters like he did the year they ended up winning that year's Super Bowl. But that's one. Uh, and then, I mean – Hey guys, we'll get into this with opportunities a little bit too, but the, the receiver position wasn't a strength going into the off season and they didn't add a whole heck of a lot to it now. So I don't know how you could think pass catcher at this point is anything but a perceived weakness. And then uh, Maggie mentioned the middle of that defense. I still, I mean, there's still a lot of questions on that as well. Maybe it'll change. They have some different people in there, but it looks like they're relying on a lot of the same sort of stuff and hoping for different results. Same sort of band next to Kenny Clark. Uh, and basically flipped Christian Kirksey for Blake Martinez, who may or may not be an upgrade. That remains to be seen. All right. Well, Jacob, you had mentioned the opportunities, and when we talk about opportunities with this team, I'll, I'll let you take first crack at it here. What are we meaning by opportunities, and what are you looking at for those opportunities? Yeah, so these are players that have an opportunity to kind of step up and assert themselves as key contributors. So I think an, an easy, obvious one is Jay Sternberger. Uh, I think it's clear that the Packers, they didn't add anybody at the tight end position. Well, if you, I mean, Josiah DeGuara, they added him, but he's going to be a little more of a versatile chess piece than Sternberger will be. So you certainly have that opportunity. But I think you're, really, you're looking at the same kind of guys that you were last year, and that's Marcos Valdez-Scantling and Equinemia St. Brown. Now, I know there's a lot of love for St. Brown, and I actually looked through things today, and I get it. I had a really high – I would have taken EQ in the third round the year that he got drafted. He got drafted in the sixth round. I still don't really know why that happened, but it did, and you could kind of see to some degree at least why. He hasn't really been all that consistent. Last year he played in the preseason. He had one catch in the preseason before he got injured, and then before that, his rookie season, he doesn't have a game in his career with more than five receptions. That's not to say he can't learn and grow into a role, but – I mean, that's asking for a pretty big jump for somebody, especially that missed all of football last season. And when he was put on injured reserve, or excuse me, before he was put on injured reserve, he was behind guys like Jake Kumaro and Darius Shepard and Alan Lazard. And and that's not to be disrespectful to those guys. Alan Lazard is a legitimate NFL wide receiver. Whether or not he should be your team's number two wide receiver, we'll see if that's wise or not going into 2020 here. But uh, Darius Shepard and Jake Kumaro are fringe NFL prospects and back of roster fodder, and EQ was behind those guys. Now, maybe an injury in camp slowed him. Maybe he was struggling to pick up the playbook. But regardless, 
he and MVS both are players that have a prime opportunity to transform this wide receiver room if they can get to part of what their potential is. If EQ can be the team's starting slot receiver, there's a lot of potential there. And you've seen the flashes. The catch in Detroit where he turned a five-yard out into a 50-yard gain. The back shoulder throw against San Francisco. The game as a whole that he had against the New York Jets. That's one. MVS, we've seen that too. His skill set is very valuable. But by the end of the season, the Packers didn't even put him on the field. I mean, that was a big missed opportunity for him last year. It's something they can atone for this year. So those are the guys that I'm looking for in terms of opportunities early in 2020. All right, Maggie, um, who are you looking at for players with big opportunities for the 2020 season? I think to me, one of the most telling non-signings, I guess you could say, of free agency was not bringing back Tremont Williams. And then the Packers doubled down and did not draft a corner in this draft. So, you know, Jair Alexander, we all kind of know what he is at this point. He's still an ascending player. You know, he's potentially a lockdown corner in the NFL. Kevin King stayed healthy for all of, almost all of 2019. I think he missed a game. Um, but he had he led the team in interceptions. He's coming into a contract year. Uh, but behind him, you know, there was a lot of necessary development that I almost feel like was shunted behind Tremont Williams. And I love Tremont Williams. If the Packers signed him before we got done recording, I would be ecstatic about it. But to me, him not coming back indicates, you know, the necessary jump that guys like Josh Jackson, Chandon Sullivan, Kadar Holman, they're expecting a lot out of this group. And they kind of need to see what they have. You know, Tremont Williams probably could play until he's 46. But if he is consistently your, you know, slot corner you're not really giving yourself many opportunities to see what the rest of the roster looks like. So with Kevin King entering a contract year, you know, if he plays lights out, he's a really nice pair opposite Jair Alexander. And the two of them, you know, this Packers cornerbacks room has been churning for a very long time and they've invested high draft capital with Demarius Randall, Quentin Rollins. They've kind of swung for the fences and missed repeatedly. So to finally have some consistency here, if some of these young guys can take that next step, this is going to be a real position of strength for the defense. All right. Well, uh, obviously between corner, wide receiver, obviously the tight end room just kind of being, you know, up in the air right now. And, you know, even on the defensive side of the ball, a defensive tackle, you know, opportunities behind Kenny Clark, the linebacker position, uh, lots of, opportunities for a lot of these younger players to really prove themselves on a team perceived to be, you know, one of the better teams coming into 2020. So uh, lastly, we'll get into our uh, threats part of the SWAT analysis. And Jacob, we decided these are teams that pose a threat to Green Bay, whether it's within the NFC North itself or um, just the NFC overall getting to the Super Bowl. Uh, So, Maggie, when we look around the rest of the NFC as a whole and then the NFC North, who are you looking at as a potential team from the North itself and then just any other team not from the NFC North that poses a pretty legitimate threat to the Packers and their quest for a Super Bowl in 2020? Yeah, so I think this is really interesting because, you know, there's the saying, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And I don't necessarily know if the Packers made dramatic improvements to this roster in 2020. They were one game away from a Super Bowl. 
they added a power back and a versatile tight end, you know, gave Aaron Rodgers a couple dynamic weapons for this offense, even though they weren't expected weapons, signed Devin Funches, um, kind of swapped out an inside linebacker, swapped out a right tackle, lost a proven vet in Kyler Fackrell. So just a lot of really interesting moves. Um, and I think that if you look at teams like the Saints, the Saints, if you looked at their roster on paper, already did not really have any holes. And they had a nice draft. The Vikings had a very good draft, but let's also remember that the Vikings lost half of their roster in free agency. So they did have some success there, but a lot of that was replacement players for guys that walked like Stefan Diggs or that were traded. So Stefan Diggs, basically their entire secondary um, 49ers got better. And I don't know if a lot of us expected that to be possible given the performance that the Packers put up against them twice. So I think it's a lot of the same key players, just the good teams put themselves in a position to be even better going into 2020. And even though the Packers, I think, are still a very solid team, a good roster, you know, did they do enough, I guess, is the question that we've all kind of had, especially after this draft, to put themselves in contention with some of those teams, especially like the Saints, that really don't have holes when you look at their roster on paper. All right, and Jacob, you're looking at who between the NFC North and the rest of the NFC as a whole as a threat to the Packers. Well, I can tell you this. The Saints have a hole in their roster if they have to play outside in the postseason at the quarterback position, but that's a conversation (laughs) we're probably not ready to have right here at this moment. Around the league, I mean, Maggie hit on your your key components. Um, The NFC North is tough just because Maggie mentioned all the reasons that the Vikings – may or may not be good. They took a uh, eh, cornerback to me in an eh, cornerback class after you get past the top couple of guys. So that doesn't do a whole lot for me. And Mike Zimmer's defense is pretty complicated, so he'll have some growing pains. Justin Jefferson, I loved him. Um, there's really no no way around that. I think every Packers fan did. Um, but, you know, a rookie receiver jumping in with an offense that doesn't really want to throw the ball all that much, and the Vikings' offensive line remains really bad. You add in their defensive line is replacing a lot. of. I mean, the Vikings, Maggie mentioned, they're replacing half of their roster. I'll never believe in the Lions until they give me a reason to. And the Bears are choosing between Nick Foles' corpse and Mitchell Trubisky. So, I mean, I I really – that Bears defense is probably – of all the teams, the Bears have the strongest one thing they can hang their hat on and the fact that they have a very good defense. Uh, And that defense probably honestly got better – by subtracting Leonard Floyd and adding Robert Quinn uh, to their to their front seven there. Akeem Hicks will be back and healthy. Roy Robertson-Harris will be back and healthy. That's something they can hang their hat on. But we've seen it before, too, defenses and offenses. Typically, if a team's going to be consistent from year to year, it's the offense that's got to carry the load. The question on the contenders in the NFC, I mean, yeah, I think it's a fair question to ask at this point, as can the Packers – did they do enough to close the gap between them and the 49ers? And I know some of the players, I can't remember exactly how it went. I think it was Matt LaFleur had said, clearly there's a gap. They beat Green Bay by 17 points or more both times that they played. Uh, some of the players kind of said the gap wasn't that wide. I tend to agree with the coach more than I do uh, the the players in that standpoint, just because if you look now, then the things that the 49ers are good at still coincide perfectly with the Packers weaknesses they've 
They've downgraded at their right tackle position. Again, unless Rick Wagner is going to surprise and outplay Brian Balaga, he's the one that's going to have to block Nick Bosa. You're hoping maybe that they take a step back on their defensive line with DeForest Buckner getting traded, but they just replaced him with Javon Kinlaw, who is awesome. They added Brandon Ayuk to an offense that was already tough for Green Bay to stop, and those are the kinds of players that they've struggled to stop historically. So now the 49ers have three of those players. They have Debo Samuel, they have Brandon Ayuk, and they have George Kittle. And then you add in the running game that gashed Green Bay in the championship game in a historic proportion. So I'm curious to see if they've closed that gap. You get into some of the others along the Packers' uh, potential threats. Maggie mentioned New Orleans. I don't need to go through them again. Um, Seattle is a team that they have Russell Wilson. They're going to be in it every year as long as they have him upright and healthy. Uh, even if he's got to hold everything together with bubblegum and shoestrings. And then we didn't really talk about the NFC East because it was kind of a running joke last year, but the Eagles added a boatload of speed to their offense. If Carson Wentz is healthy, I, I really like him as a quarterback. I think that his chances of, if I was taking an odds bet, and I didn't check the odds, but if I was betting on an MVP to come from like the not Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson kind of group where those guys will be the favorites, Wentz would be somebody that I would look into. And, and the Cowboys have a really good offense, especially if Dak Prescott comes back, him, that offensive line. They've got Zeke. They added C.D. Lamb with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. I mean, they may not stop anybody, but they might score 40 points a game too. Uh, and they've quite clearly upgraded at the head coaching position with Mike McCarthy over Jason Garrett. So, I mean, I think going into the year, it's fair to say the Packers are the favorites in their division. Uh, and you should probably expect a, a postseason run with seven teams making the NFC playoffs. Right now, I think there's a lot of questions as to whether or not you can consider them a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Well, only time will tell. And, um, you know, obviously one game away from the Super Bowl they were last year, 13-3. and three. Uh, You know, one of the things it's in this league, it just the reality um, – it's hard to build on a 13 and three record. Uh, you know, it's hard enough to go 13 and three. So don't necessarily, if green Bay doesn't win 13 games, don't necessarily think that that means that they necessarily got worse. Uh, it's hard to do only time will tell, but, um, and also, uh, just so you know, they won't be able to go 13 and three this year because there's now 17 games. So it'll be 14 and three or 13 and four, whatever you, you know, think about that whole, Adding Nick, up a game that uh, does not the seventeen game schedule does not start until twenty twenty one. You know, I'm I'm just so misinformed on everything. That's right. Yeah, it's the expanded expanded playoffs. So yes, they could go thirteen and three this year. You know, <sighs> I just I just I blame the coronavirus. I everything runs together. <laughs> All the years, you know, we're still in March. I guess I don't know. Um, yes. So anyway. But, uh, yeah, only time will tell. The team, um, you know, a lot of debate over whether or not they got better. I don't necessarily think they got worse in any way. Again, you can have the argument about whether or not they truly improved from last year. But 2020 is a whole new season. And let's all just stop and admit for one minute here that as much as we are fans of the team and everything um, – we all came into the 2019 season being like, yeah, if they won eight games, that'd be great. And they won 13. So reality is we don't always truly know 
what's going to happen. So I would be pretty optimistic about this team based on the way things were last year. If Aaron Rodgers can continue to play at even, you know, a, a, a similar level to last year, not turning the ball over, few offensive players make some jumps, you never know. So with that, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Maggie, Jacob, it was great to be back with both of you again this week. I look forward to it every week now uh, moving forward you'll have to put up with me again uh, so if that bothers you I apologize I don't make the schedule though I just show up when I'm asked so with that thank you so much for listening everyone and as always go pack Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.